let me join others in welcoming you today on this Palm Sunday and inviting you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and we'll be reading verses 18 through 25 and then verse 28 and 29. Out of this beloved chapter, it is hard to select just a few verses uh, to read, and I'll share why in just a few moments. But if you are physically able, uh, I would encourage you to stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's holy word today. As I read from Romans 8 and beginning in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. May God bless the reading of his word today. You may be seated. You know, I've often joked uh, and told this story, but I grew up on the other end of the county. And when Paula and I, we dated a while, when we got engaged, I let her know that um, I would, uh, two things I would not do is move to Berea (laughs) and... I would not have a cat in my house. I have a cat in my house, and I live in Berea. But God has truly blessed me in Berea. I have come to love Berea and gladly consider it my home. I love uh, even driving through Berea and many of the parts of Berea, the outskirts of the city into the county uh, and into the other end of, uh, into the, the uh, into other counties close to us, I enjoy the area, the the sights, in many ways. I love seeing the people as we go down the the streets of our city. But you know, you get a totally different view when you walk up the pinnacle. How many of you have been up to the pinnacle? Quite a few of you. It's been years since I have been up. Trey was little, 
and it's time, Tori, for you and I to take that trek, but if I go down, you've got to get me down or up, so um, I've tried to get moving a little bit more since the beginning of the year and drop a few, but I don't know if I'm ready yet or not, but it's time to walk up there because from the pinnacle, you get a different view of many of the sights of Berea that you don't experience down in the street. You know, it's kind of what Romans 8 is. It's a pinnacle. Uh, It is a pinnacle of promise. There's so many, and what I said a while ago, when you read through chapter 8 of Romans, it's really hard just to pick one verse to read from because you begin with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. All of these so so full of beauty. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he goes into uh, all the things that he lists cannot separate us from the love of God who is in us. And then in verse 37, that very familiar verse to many is, uh, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him, Jesus Christ, who loved us. There's so many beautiful verses, and we read others today. This is a pinnacle of promise. And so I want you to see, uh, I want you to climb up with me for a few moments as we just look at the verses that we read today and see the beauty of below. And let Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in His Word, take you up on the mountain and see and view the pinnacle of promise. What do you see from the pinnacle of promise from the Scriptures that we read today? First is that there is a future glory. There is the future glory of the redemption of our bodies and all of creation. And in verse 18 again, he, Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, to those who are in Christ, to those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, believing and trusting in who He is and what He did in His life and His death and His burial and His resurrection and what He is doing in heaven now and preparing to return. When we look at all of that, when we climb up into the pinnacle and look down, the glory, the future glory far outweighs our present suffering. Our present suffering, though often intense, will be far outweighed by the future glory awaiting the children of God, but also awaiting all of creation. Not only do we see the future glory from this pinnacle of promise in Romans 8, but we see the lifting of the curse. And it says in verse 24, the creation was subjected to futility, emptiness, In other words, when Adam sinned, when Eve was deceived, and Adam willingly sinned, partaking of the forbidden fruit, a curse came upon man, but it also came upon all of creation. Creation did not sin, and that's what Paul is writing here. He says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, 
Creation did not do anything wrong. The animals did not do anything wrong. The plant did not do anything wrong. The tree, the sea, the core of the earth, but yet it was subjected to futility, not willingly, be because of Him who subjected it. Because of the sin of man, the curse not only came upon the body of man, breaking the sweet fellowship and relationship between God the Creator and mankind, His creation, but the curse also fell upon all of creation. And it said that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of of the glory of the children of God. So Paul writes here that the earth, all of creation, is also awaiting our redemption because it knows that once our redemption is complete, it will be made new as well. We, or I enjoy watching nature shows. I, I enjoy National Geographic Channel. Don't watch it a lot, but I enjoy it when I do watch it. I love watching about animals that, and reading about them and things of that nature. And, but, you know, when you watch that, you see gruesome aspects of the wild, don't you? You see animals attacking other animals, even their own kind to eat. And truly we see the law of the land in the animal kingdom that they're just trying to stay alive. We also see the tsunamis, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, the tornadoes. All of these, as Paul writes, are birth pains of creation. And beloved, yes, we are in labor now, if you will, as Paul gives that illustration of a woman in labor and the pain that comes along with that, but new life is coming. And the, you women endure the pain because with expectation and hope and, and, and looking forward to holding that newborn baby in your arms. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now, Paul wrote in verse 22. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we we're groaning too because of the sufferings of our body, the sadness of our soul, the pain that we see around us each day, the evil, the sin, the wickedness, ours and the others in the world as well. We are groaning inwardly, it says. So all a creation from mankind to the animal kingdom to the plant kingdom, the vegetation, it's all awaiting for the lifting of the curse. And when Christ comes back in this future glory that we anticipate, the curse will be lifted of God's people, and therefore the curse will be lifted on all of creation. You see, this is the glorious truth, that we were not made to be some spirit floating around in the atmosphere, bouncing around on clouds. We were made by design, and God has not let go of what He created in Eden. And He is returning the world to that glorious state one day. For now our souls are saved for those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ and are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But one day when Jesus returns, He will make our bodies new as well. And we will dwell upon a new heaven and a new earth. 
Yes, there will be animals. Yes, there will be beautiful vegetation and large bodies of water. God has not let go of what He created in the beginning, but will redeem not only mankind, but all of creation. For now we labor with birth pains, but new life is coming. And he writes here, and not only the creation together in the pains of childbirth until now, in verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, comma, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. And I thought of that Fanny Crosby song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. For those who have received Jesus Christ, they have the future glory. They're awaiting the lifting of the curse. And God's promise of His presence, the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives. And there we have what Fanny Crosby, the great blind hymn writer, wrote. A foretaste of glory divine. In other words, God puts heaven in our hearts. And that's the Holy Spirit. When Paul writes, those who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. What he's saying there is that we have the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of heaven. We are waiting the future glory. We are waiting the lifting of the curse. And through the presence of Jesus Christ or the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, we have these foretastes of glory divine in our lives. As we simply put it, we have Jesus in our hearts. And what are we waiting? It says in verse 23, the redemption of our bodies. That not only our souls will be made new, covered by the blood of Christ, but our bodies will be made new as well. And is not this our greatest inward groaning? To walk upon a new earth and to have this body made new by the power of God? Isn't that really what we want? Isn't that really what we were made for? Isn't that really what we long for? Eternal life? To have the curse of death broken? To have the curse lifted of illness and sickness and age and pain and sorrow and to dwell with brother and sister in unity? Isn't that really what is the deepest longings of our heart? And that's on the pinnacle of promise. It's the future glory the glory of the lifting of the curse. It's what the Holy Spirit keeps giving us a foretaste of glory divine in our heart. He goes on to write, as we eagerly await the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. This is the hope. This is what we're hoping for. That when we lay a loved one's body in the ground, that knew and served Jesus Christ, that it will not remain there forever, but it will be raised in newness of life and made new. One day my mother will leave the grave and there will be no MS in that body. That is what we hope for. 
Some of you are like me, and as Brother Kenny Davis, I've heard him say that one day when Jesus returns, there's going to be a pile of screws and plates laying on the ground, left from our body. This is what we hope for. This is the hope that we were saved. And he goes on, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? This is the blessed hope as we're told of in the New Testament, that those saved by faith are rejoicing in the blessed hope for the coming and complete redemption. Why do we need hope? Because we suffer. And because we hurt. And because we grow weary. And because we are saddened with circumstances in our life and in others' lives that we care for. This is why we need hope. And what do we hope for? Full redemption. Jesus went all the way to the cross and the grave and back into heaven and is coming back. And he, because He went all the way, we will go all the way as well. It's what we hope for. Full redemption, not only of soul, but of body as well. And not only of our body, but of all of creation. What gives us this hope? The gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and whosoever would believe in Him will not perish or die separated from God in eternity in hell, but will spend eternity on the new earth in the presence of God and loved ones. The gospel gives us hope. It's the promise. This is the pinnacle of promise. The Holy Spirit gives us hope in our hearts. And who brought this hope to us? As I just stated and quoted John 3.16, God brought us this hope through the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ. Who gives us this hope? Jesus Christ. And not only that He was a good man, not only that He just did many miracles, but that He was the Savior that we needed. He was who He said He was. As the choir sang, He was the Lamb of God that went to the cross of Calvary and there became our sin and shame and became the sacrifice that would please the Father that could free us from the curse upon mankind. Jesus Christ is the blessed hope that we have. He is the Lamb of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the author and beginner and finisher of our salvation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the Root of Jesse. And then he says, and we know, in verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, His purpose is to make all things new. Those who have been called and received the call, who love God, who trust Him with their lives, God is working all things together for your good today. Even the pain that you are experiencing in your life today, He's working it for your good. I do not know how, and you probably won't either. In this life, we just see through the glass dimly. But I promise you that if you are God's and He is yours, He's working all things, good and bad, together for your good and to the full redemption. For those whom He foreknew, 
He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the blessed hope. That's the redemption of the body, of the soul of man, but also the body and all of creation in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, what does that mean? Jesus was the firstborn to be raised from the dead, to never die again. There were other people that were raised from the dead and Jesus raised from the dead, but they got sick and died again. Jesus was killed on the cross of Calvary, laid in a tomb, resurrected by the power of God, never to die again. And because, as the words of Jesus, he's told his disciples, because I live, you too shall live. And what happened to Christ in the resurrection of body that we'll be celebrating this week of Holy Week and especially next Sunday, what happened to Jesus Christ will also happen to us because we have been adopted as sons and daughters by God through Christ. That's a good point to amen. Because I don't deserve that. That's grace. That God is going to do to me a worm, scum of the earth, a sinner, that God is going to do to me what he did for Jesus Christ and raise me from the dead one day, never to die again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Isn't this what we come to do today? To remember this Blessed hope, this future glory, this lifting of the curse, this foretaste of heaven. We come to the Lord's table to remember what Jesus Christ did for us in the giving of His body and the shedding of His blood. We remember the love that He showed there as He entered into Jerusalem days before He would go to the cross We come to remember the moaning and the groaning of his soul before Judas would come. We remember the kiss of the betrayer. We remember that Jesus Christ went all the way, even though, as the Scriptures teach us, he could have called legions of angels to save him. But because of love, he willingly laid down his life allowing them to torture him, to kick him, to spit on him, to pull out of his beard, to whip him twice as much as anyone had ever been whipped, beyond recognition almost. Stripped naked, nails in his hands, in his feet. And there he became my wretchedness. And God poured out his wrath upon his son, so that I, who just simply trust in Jesus Christ, not a good man, just a sinner saved by grace, could be raised because Jesus was raised too. Wow. This is what we do. This is not just a religious exercise. This is worship. That we remember of what He did and who He was, But we also are told to do this until He returns. We're doing this to remember of what He did, but also of what He's going to do. The future glory, the pinnacle of promise. I partake of this bread symbolizing the body of Jesus Christ. I drink this cup symbolizing the blood of Jesus Christ 
to remind me also that what God did for Jesus Christ, He's going to do for me. It's the future glory, the blessed hope, the lifting of the curse coming to His people.